Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good. I've already got the game grades in, so uh, it's uh, off to a good start, of course, with an Oilers win. 3-2 in overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Bruce. Mm. A strange game, I will yes. say. Strange game, which the Oilers, mm. I thought, were the second-best team on the ice, Obviously as is often been the case against the Leafs, except for the first four games. The, the game since mm. then, the Leafs have outplayed the Oilers. Um, but there was a few notable exceptions to that rule that the that the Leafs outplayed the Oilers this game, and we'll get to those. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because the Oilers win, we get two good things each. Bruce, why don't you fire it up? What's your first good thing? Okay, well, I'm going to go with uh, the same one good thing that I came up with on Saturday night. Just uh, reading off the same script here, Mike Smith. I feel like I'm becoming the guy's biggest cheerleader, you know. Uh, but uh, he's putting together a heck of a season back there between the pipes. And I would make the argument right now that he is the sole reason that Edmonton came out of Toronto with three standings points. Oh, yeah. Oh, you put yeah. A, you put a, you know, sort of an average net minding in those two games and orders get beat twice, I think. Don't you? I do, Bruce. Tonight he was so good I got the Grant Fuhr feeling. You know what? You know what the Grant Fuhr feeling is? They're never going to score again. That's right. I and I and I don't get that very often with Edmonton okay. Oilers goalies. But I okay. had that, and I was waiting for Jack Michaels because the last time Smith was really dialed in, Jack Michaels kind of said uh, the Oilers announcer early in the third period, like he, he said, Smith's looking. He would say Smith's looking sharp, and I don't think he's going to get beat again. And it was kind of a gutsy thing for him mm-hmm. to say the game, and Smith didn't get beat. And that thought popped into my head early in the third period, like he's just so sharp, and he's not going to get beat again. What uh, what was the final count on scoring chances? Ten to seven, ten grade A chances for the Leafs, and and I, the Leafs had more of the five alarm variety though. Bruce. I'll say, and I'll let you get to the two that you know, you know, or a couple of them if you want, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, the the Mikheyev stop in the second period. The two on O, basically, <laughs> was the two on O. Yeah, the second period, the Oilers had three chances to one, and the Toronto chance was probably more likely to get a goal than the three Oilers' chances combined. Correct. And somehow he kept that one out. And that was a number of, of uh, one of a number of monster saves that he got a piece of, the shots that just, just went, you know, I got a piece of on their way by, or, or uh, uh, saving the very best for last, absolutely stoning uh, Austin Matthews in the first, what was it, seven seconds of overtime? was a brief but exciting overtime where uh, uh, the Oilers got burned right off the face-off. Both uh, McDavid and Drysdale got trapped on a Marner-Matthews two-on-one, and, of course, Marner made the feed, and Matthews made the shot. And if they'd have scored then, I would have been one sourpuss doing this broadcast, I can tell you. Bruce, but trapped, Smith trapped, came up. <laughs> trapped is a very charitable way of framing what happened to Drysdale and McDavid on that play. They were both out to lunch. Like what? They were. They went. They went forward, and Marner made a great sort of quick move the other way, and they couldn't yeah. overtake him. Yeah. I mean, some credit were due. It was. A, it was a great change of pace by Marner. But uh, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the big yeah. boys a little bit later on. The big boy I'm going to focus on here is Smith making that play, making that save, 
and he was uh, basically the third assist on the goal because uh, uh, Drysaddle recovered the rebound, fed it up to McDavid. He fed Nurse, and Nurse scored. And you know, all four Oilers on the touch on the ice, including the goalie, touched the puck on that sequence. But oh, uh, that, was, that was that was a ginormous save. But uh, one of many, many. There were some very good stops off of John Tavares again. John Tavares is a monster. Man, it's hard to get the puck off of that guy. You can tell he played lacrosse, and it seems like he controls the puck with a lacrosse stick when he's in heavy traffic. Somehow he manages to hang on to it and come out firing pills at the net. And uh, uh, Smith just uh, held his ground, and uh, uh, I thought he had a tremendous game. What what grade did you give him? Nine out of ten. Yeah, I haven't read. I haven't read your grades. Yeah, yet, but, I think uh, he stole that game, Bruce. I yeah. think it's fair to say that he stole that game, and and the owners, you know, since he's been in the Nets, they've stolen a few more. He's yeah. he's just playing spectacular yeah. hockey this year. He yeah. uh, he is he has silenced. Uh, I don't has he silenced his critics, Bruce? Is that too much to say? No, I I uh, I have some trusted hockey minds that I'm in contact with. If if, if uh, Smith has won them over yet, and they're still sort of going, well, we're just waiting for the big crash. And I'm going, well, season's like two thirds over, and the guy's playing two thirds of the games, and and he's winning like three quarters of the games that he starts. And playing well most of the time. Like, he started 16 games. He's been over 911 of them, right? And save percentage, that supposedly was his weakness, was his save percentage. Well, he's got a 918 save percentage right now, which is, you know, excellent. But uh, on top of that, he has the, uh, you know, sort of almost a team captain's role when he's on the ice, honestly. And he, he yeah. takes command out of there. He moves the puck. And he's, he's clearly, like, all the players talk about him being, like, who was it was interviewed tonight, talked about him, said how unusual it is for a goalie to be such a big voice in the room, but Mike Smith is that. And and he contributes a lot to this team. This is like the Oilers' rapture. He's the second coming of uh, Dwayne Rolofsson. <laughs> he does remind me, his, his, his 39-year-old fiery temperament reminds me a whole lot of Dwayne Rolofsson, i got to say. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Well, I, we might have had the bad part with Smith when he got injured at the start of the year because that was always yes. real. That was always yes. like, you know, to be charitable to his Smith's critics, including myself. Yeah. Um, that was always the fear was that yeah. he's old and he's going to get hurt. So um, if you still don't like Mike Smith, you can always hope that that's what happens and you can be proven correct. But the rest of us Oilers fans will just be very happy with games like that. And I certainly was. Bruce, my um, my good thing, my first good thing was Adam Larson, I, mm-hmm. and I gave him an eight. He just he was the best Oilers player on the ice tonight. He bossed the game. He led the team with seven hits. He was one of the few Oilers where they out outshot the opposition, nine to five when he was on the ice. He kept a clean sheet on Grade A scoring chances. Bruce, not one major nice. mistake on a Grade A scoring chance against. He flattened. Uh, in the first period, who did he, Kerfoot and was Tavares. Kerfoot. And he got another guy pretty good too early on. I think it was, uh, let me just look here. I got it in my, in my notes here. Uh, Wayne Simmons. He flattened right. Wayne Simmons right early in the game. And then Kerfoot. Bruce, he is such an outstanding defensive hockey player. Um, and, and he was in, uh, you know, he was in kind of um, stark contrast to another Oilers player who we're going to talk about later, another top four right shot D. But um, 
Matt, did he ever, is he ever making his case? Is Adam Larson ever making his case that he deserves another contract and the Edmonton Oilers need him? And he's making a, he's starting to make a case, and this is going to be unpopular with many people. But if he, if he keeps playing like this and plays like this in the playoffs and the Oilers win a couple series, the whole notion that the Oilers were taken to the cleaners on the Taylor Hall trade is going to have to be re-looked re at. This is the last year of Larson's contract on that trade. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, fair to say this is, has to go into the analysis of that trade. And if he keeps it up, Bruce, well, it'll be interesting to see when we ask other Oiler fans what they think about it. But I think um, they might start to feel that the Oilers might have got the best of that deal. But it's still well, toward Hall's contract that was traded was up last season. So, of course, he's Correct. now on his next contract. So you can choose to include his current season or not, but it's not exactly advancing the argument when he's got two goals. Um, and Larson, I think, has three. Um, <laughs> and, but also tonight, I mean, yeah, in yeah, I addition that, to those penalties uh, or plays that you mentioned tonight, he uh, got a crucial assist on the game-time goal early in the third period when it looked like the orders were going to be hard-pressed to generate anything. And it was, you know, just old-fashioned meat and potatoes hockey. But... Um, uh, he and uh, you know that's that's his game. You know I couldn't. I love Jesse Puljujarvi's game tonight, but I could not believe it when they said Puljujarvi hitting that guy behind the net was the hit of the game. When uh, when Larson stood up at the blue line, absolutely shivered the timbers of uh, Kerfoot crossing the blue, trying to cross the blue. Line. <laughs> he never made it. <laughs> he made it as far as Larson, and then he went down hard. Open ice hit. It's just a beauty. And, uh, oh. yeah, I love Larson's game tonight, too. That's a good pick, David. I only gave Pugliarvi a five. I didn't love his game. I thought he the mm -hmm. play died on his stick a few too many times for my liking. And, you know, okay. he was the best player on that line. Um, mm. But uh, so I gave, uh, yeah, I gave him a five. Maybe, uh, mm -hmm. maybe, I under, maybe I undervalued him that game. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Well, one second good thing is a whole bunch of little good things from a whole bunch of sort of under undersung Oilers. Uh um, and these are plays like Kyle Turris playing his first game in a while, actually working to get his body in front of the net and in front of the shot that uh, hit, I'm not sure if it hit him on the butt or it hit him on the high on the leg and bounced in the net. It was not a thing of beauty. And then uh, it was more a goal scored by uh, determination and, you know, and some good luck, which the Oilers were due, let's face it, after that last game. This only hit one guy, and he was an actual oiler on its on its way into the net, as opposed to the Toronto goals that were bouncing in off of oilers into the oilers' net last game. Uh, but plays like that, uh, uh, plays, well, yes, the Arby, I just thought around the puck, winning battles along the board and engaging all the time. Like, it's, it's very difficult to get by that guy. Uh, plays like Josh Archibald, getting on his horse and getting behind the defense and making a slick move to to Deke um, Michael Hutchinson for the opening goal. Uh, plays like Jujar Caro. I love this play. Smith had a, had a giveaway in the first period and went into the corner and he was scrambling to get back into his net to uh, Wayne Simmons, big tough corner man for Toronto. And Caro just closed in and crunched him, took him out. Puck just laid there. Uh, Caro finished the check. He finished off... Uh, 
uh, Simmons and he let his teammate Darnell Nurse come to come and clean up the puck. But it was just a sort of perfect reaction play. Oh, he's got the puck in the corner. Hit him. Take him out. And that's that's what Kara did, which was one of quite a few takeouts that he had. And just on down the list, I mean, Kyle Yamamoto had, uh, uh, was dogged and tenacious in this game. And that was uh, uh, what kept him in the game. You know, this their second, their third line, each got him a goal. And uh, uh, they defended fairly well, not perfectly, but there was a lot of sort of individual standout defensive plays and a really overtime goal notwithstanding. It was not McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nurse that were uh, leading the charge in terms of getting the job done in this game. It was some of the lesser lights that chipped in here and there and made key plays here and there and, and kept the Oilers in the game. Indeed. Uh, my second good thing is Kyler Yamamoto, who you just mentioned briefly. The, the plays that I liked from him in particular, I think it was in the in the second period, Mitch Marner was rushing the puck up the ice, and he came back hard on the back check to s- knock the puck off his stick. Yes, that was a great play. He made his, on the tourist goal, his play really was the, the key play. He ignited that um, by charging in there like a pile driver and on the four check and just popping the puck loose, which Nuge then got and put back to Larson onto the net and the goal. He won some more battles in the third period and he uh, passed it out to Nurse who set up Dreisaitl for a really dangerous one-timer shot that almost deflected in. I just thought Yamamoto was hustling like crazy out there. Yeah. And um, after a fairly inauspicious game against Toronto on uh, Saturday, he he redeemed himself and um, I gave him an eight. I just thought he, his hustle mm-hmm. kind of epitomized the effort that we saw from those uh, non-first line players. Mm-hmm. And he was the best of them. I thought Cassian was good though. I thought mm-hmm. uh, Kara was good. Uh, I thought Ennis was, was good. good. I, I liked I liked all of the uh, the depth players on the Edmonton Oilers. Bruce, your bad thing. Uh, well, I wasn't overly enamored with the games of the big guys today, but I'm going to single out my man Leon Dreisaitl for a particularly atrocious sequence on the Oilers. One, count them, one power play that they got in this game against Toronto, which is four times in five games now. They've had one or zero. And so when you finally get a freaking power play after waiting all night, you're sort of going, okay, boys, now's the chance to pour it on. And Pouring it on for Leon in this power play meant that he was directly involved in the puck clearing the attacking zone five times in a minute and 40 seconds. Five times. First of all, the puck went around the boards and he was waiting for it and went through his stick and it cleared the zone. So then he went back and he got it and he thought, okay, I'm going to rush it in myself. And he came in, tried to hit pull the RV at the blue line, but it was too far in front of him. So the Toronto guy just picked it off the board, sent it down again. Uh, third time he lost the battle just inside the blue line. Uh, I'm forgetting one of them. And the fifth one, he finally got good possession of the puck in the in the zone. He fired a pass back to McDavid on the point, went right through McDavid's stick and out. And so for the fifth time in the power play, the the, the puck cleared the zone. And all five times it was it was Leon, you know, five different ways. But watch that sequence. I mean, if you like, you can count them for yourself. And and he wasn't the only guy to blame on each of the plays, but he was kind of in the middle of it. And it just was not working. 
And finally, after the fifth one, you could just see McDavid kind of slump his shoulders and go off to the bench. <laughs> they sent out the second unit for the last 20 seconds because the first unit was not going anywhere. And at that point in the game, 2-2 early in the third, a power play goal would have been immense. And they just never gave themselves a chance. This was one game um, where the Le- the Oilers really deserved to have more power plays. The Leafs are tripping them constantly and not getting called as far as I could tell. Like, I, you know maybe if you're a Leafs fan, you would say, oh, well, there was lots of calls against the Oilers that didn't get called. And you may be right. And I didn't notice those, but I, you know, there's been other games when the Oilers didn't deserve power plays. They deserved three or four power plays this game. And they only got the one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I noticed when Leon's tired, Bruce, mm-hmm. that he, he starts to turn over the puck, especially on the power play. And, um, I don't know why he's tired. Toronto season. So Toronto was all over those guys, and they they were double teaming yeah. them a lot, and it was working. The second guy would come in, and the you know they ought to be holding his own against the first guy, and then the second leaf would close in. And I'd like to think that um, uh, from these games against Toronto, these last five, that the Oilers will have learned that uh, the forwards closing gaps on the back check and coming back hard on on the back track and and uh, migrating to the puck and sort of outnumbering the puck carrier. That's a good idea. Maybe we should try that a little more ourselves. Yeah, it was a really sad night for that kind of effort, especially from the top line, both on the back check and covering off the defensive slot, Bruce. They were just atrocious, honestly, um, leaving the the opposition open. So, Bruce, uh, my bad thing is Tyson Berry's game tonight. He's had a pretty good season in a lot of ways, especially on the attack. I'm not enamored with his defense, and tonight would be either Exhibit A or Exhibit B. It might it's it's one of his worst games of the year defensively. He was um, if a defenseman's doing his job, really doing his job, he's going to have a clean sheet. He's not going to make any mistakes on a grade on grade A scoring chances against, and that's that was Adam Larson tonight, and 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 uh, Ethan Bear and um, Chris Russell came close to that as well. So, um, you know, you might expect one mistake if a guy's, that's that's kind of the average for a good defenseman even. Barry made seven major mistakes on grade A chances tonight, including on the two goals. Yeah. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, uh, are you are you sure about that? Like, you know, like when you say that Barry leaks a lot of chances <sighs> against, are you convinced of that? Well, I'm going to go through the seven and you can, you can. You can go and you have this on videotape. You check up on our work and you tell me what you think. So the first one's at 10.43 of the first period. And this is uh, this is just a simple play. He's covering the guy behind the net and he allows the pass out to the guy in front of the slot who happens to be Austin Matthews. That's the first one. The second one, it comes at uh, 12.01 of the first. And this is where Mitch Marner comes down his wing and deeks him into the slot and scores a goal. So that's the that's the second one, twelve oh one, of the first. Then the th- the third one is eight fifty two of the first. Uh, okay, he's covering Austin Matthews on that play down low, and Matthews just essentially works his way out from Barry, and Barry doesn't work through the interference, and Matthews gets off the shot and scores. That was the goal. Yeah. That was the that was the second goal. Moving on to the second period. The Mikhaev, um, uh shot, the two-on-one. 
that goes right through Barry. The puck comes to a stick and he kind of bobbles it. And then, and then the Leafs player, uh, Jason Spezza, is around him to set up uh, Mikheyev. We move on to the third period. Uh, at Let me just see here. Um, at 11-11, go to the third period 11-11 if you're uh, doing this at home. Two chances, two chances. And again, they just come down Tyson down his wing and um he, he again has a chance to make a play he doesn't make it and the puck goes in this massive scramble play where the Leafs could have easily scored um Nylander gets a shot and then Galchenyuk gets a shot and this is after the the, the problem comes uh, from them attacking his wing and then with 510 left in the third period we have the third one and this is another pass out from the corner that he permits, and then they're just in tight. There's a kind of a through the legs backhand shot right in the crease on Mike Smith. So those are the seven. And you know we're not trying to make these up or pick on anybody. We're just trying to actually be completely fair and accurate with these players and, and get it right. And we see this all too often with Tyson Berry is the terrible, terrible truth. A gifted offensive player. But even even as a veteran veteran defenseman here, Bruce, he really struggles on defense now and then. So, okay, sure. Well, here's some numbers to back that up. Uh, 21 minutes, Barry was on the ice at uh, even strength. Uh, shot attempts were 9-4, 27 against. Shots on goal. This is all natural stat trick. Uh, four for the Oilers, 18 against. Shots on net. So basically, a period of hockey in which the Oilers got outshot 18-4. Uh, scoring chances, their version of scoring chances, three for the Oilers, 19 against, and zero goals for two against, and well-deserved minus two based on those underlying numbers, which showed the Oilers getting pounded when he was on the ice tonight. I was thinking, how could they have more scoring chances than shots? Then, but they count missed shots as scoring chances. Yeah. Something that we do not do, Bruce, and I would say Darnell Nurse is... Except for post, Darnell Nurse's shot in the final seconds of the game is kind of exhibit A. Oh. Hit the net, man. Yeah, hit yeah. the net. Hit. You cannot score oh. if you do not hit the net. He did hit it seconds later, David. He did, Bruce. He did. Oh, Good point. He hit that the was... net. He didn't hit the goalie at all. He hit the actual net. <laughs> the mesh. Hit the mesh. <laughs> hit the mesh. Shoot for the mesh. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's go to our numbers. What's your number, man? Okay, well, I, my number is related to your bad thing, and my number is three. Uh, that's the number of minus games that Tyson Berry has had since he's been hooked up with Darnell Nurse on the first pairing 26 games ago. And he had a brutal game in Calgary on game 13 that had everybody wanting his hide when the Oilers lost 6-4 to four to the Flames in a defensive nightmare of the game that he was kind of in the middle of. And... Then he had a minus game. Let's find it. One of the Toronto games, the first Toronto game, he was minus two in the three-game sweep, and then he was even in the next three. And otherwise, he's been even or plus in 23 of the 26 games with Nurse. And that includes in the eight games before tonight, uh, plus 12 in eight games with five multi-point games for a total of 13 points. Like he's packing it in on offense. And he's getting points. You know, the orders are scoring when he's on the ice. And by hook or by crook or by goalie, he's getting away with some of the, you know, obviously, you know, matador defense, uh, some people call it. And uh, 
He uh, he's been getting away with some of it, and Mike Smith's been saving his bacon sometimes, and Mick Koskin has been saving his bacon other times, and Darnell Nurse has been saving his bacon, and that's you know that's the key to the the pairing. I think from Tyson Berry's perspective, he's playing with other skill, which emphasizes his skill, and he's got uh, he's got big Darnell there to put out some fires, and uh, for all that Nurse makes some of his own mistakes, man, he uh, he he makes a lot of problems go away back there as well. And uh, that's been a been a real productive pairing for the Oilers. Whether it'll last, it's kind of like that Mike Smith thing. Is it a mirage or is it real? But, geez, twenty six games, man, that's a lot of evidence. And well, they're generally playing with some pretty good players too, like the Dreisaitl. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, so, so there is that. So you yeah. need them to outscore. They they better outscore. Yes, absolutely. On one level, like it's good they're outscoring. Hey, they better outscore because if they're not, if you're stacking the deck like that, and that <laughs> those guys aren't getting it done, well, good luck. I mean, it was tonight was one of those nights where there was some good luck, right? Where they yes. were they able to win without that top unit um, mm-hmm. coming through for them, except in overtime in, in such a big way and dramatic way. Well, but when uh, they yeah, put the Tyson pair Barry together. Well, they put the pair together. Barry played 10 games lower down the lineup. With uh, He played some with Russell, and he played some with, I think, two or three different guys, uh, Jones maybe. And he was minus eight. He was minus one in eight different games of the first 10. And then Barry got beaned with a puck in game 10, and Nurse needed a new partner, and they moved up Barry, and he's been there ever since. And since then, he's plus 16, and almost all of it's five on five. You know, there hasn't yeah. been much empty net scoring. There's been, I think, no shorty since the very first few games of the season. Either way, it's been it's been uh, pretty much five on five or even strength scoring. And so even though there are many who will poo-poo plus minus, to me it's about outscoring. And I could do a bunch of work and then I elbow grease and figure out, you know, goals for, goals against, goals for, percentage, all this stuff during his time, but the, the sort of quick and dirty number is the plus minus, and he's been plus 16 since paired with Nurse, and that's even after tonight's well-deserved minus two. So three bad games out of 26. I mean, when he's bad, he's bad, but he's been good a lot more than he's been bad, I guess is the point of my number. The My number, Bruce, is related to what I've seen in the games against Toronto, the last uh, five games, where the Oilers have struggled, I think, um, and often been outplayed against the Leafs. And I think if the Oilers hope to be able to advance in the playoffs this year, it's pretty apparent that they need another forward. I think that that's, um, that's, that's the key. They've got to get one more solid attacking forward preferably a center who can really cover off the defensive slot, which is really hard to get. That's hard to find. So a winger might do, uh, a a really good winger might do. And my number, I'm going to go back to this. Um, My number is 22. That's Tyler Benson. He's got 22 points in 18 games in the AHL. I think it behooves the orders, and it's getting late. They should have made this move a week ago, two weeks ago. When, when Benson's scoring took off, just call him up then. And especially now with this, I guess the seven-day thing just kicked in last week. So that's what really spurs it on now. But they should call, like immediately tonight, they should recall Tyler Benson to see what he can do playing with Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. Give him that opportunity. 
it's we're closing in very close to the trade deadline. It's the 12th of April, is it not? Yes. So you're not going to get a lot of games. Obviously, you might not get any, but and this is you know it's, but you might get a couple, where you can just see what he's got, see what he can bring, because he's a hell. Of, he's 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 eating, he's chewing up the competition right now in the AHL. There's a chance that they have a top six forward right now there. And they're, they don't know it because they did, they haven't recalled him yet. I'm a little frustrated by it. They're over-ripening him, David. Don't you know that this is the plan now? Bob Nicholson told us, and then Ken Holland came in, and he absolutely uh, seconded that motion, that they're going to over-ripen these young guys. And with the taxi squad, I mean, it's like Benson is buried about three layers deep behind left wingers that are on the taxi squad. These guys that we see coming in and out of the lineup on an ongoing basis, uh, you know, that, that are pros, as uh, Ken Holland would say, and, and uh, you know, proven veteran players. And Ken Holland would probably say to you, David, what's the rush? You know, we've got, we're winning games. We've got, we're using the guys we've got. Benson's getting good ice time down there in the in the farm on the top line getting his confidence back, scoring goals and points. But we're happy the way things are. Why, why change that? What the rush is, that is his entry-level contracts up, mm-hmm. and you, Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers, have not found another top left winger for your top six. You've tried Tyler Ennis. You've tried Dominic Cahoon. And both of them have been left found wanting somewhat. You, you tried Kyle Turris tonight. And all due respect, I don't think that's the answer either. So you've been trying these things. They're not working. If you want to beat Toronto, who are consistently outplaying you in the playoffs, you've got to turn over every stone. And here's one stone that you didn't overturn. So you're not doing your job as a GM if you're not overturning that stone, is my argument for Ken Holland. Turn over that stone, see what you got there. Call him up, play him a few games. Wait a week. Does that kill anyone? Does that hurt? You know, does that, like, what's the downside? (laughs) What is the downside? I don't know, Bruce. So, Well, finding space on the roster is going to be the downside relatively soon because of the, you know, the taxi squad being full. But once they've activated the third goalie, then there's not going to be a lot of lot of room there. But uh, I guess there's ways to stick send handle Negar. around that. You could send Negar down. You could send Lenz. You know what? You should send Evan Bouchard down. Wow. Like, I, you know, there, there's your, if you're looking for a spot, there's lots of players now. Everyone's healthy on defense again. He's not getting in the lineup. That's obvious to everybody. Why is he still up in Edmonton? So I'm just mm-hmm. a little frustrated with, um, you know, I'm not going to say they mishandled Bouchard. The way Barry's playing, he's probably the answer this year. But this is getting to be mishandling when you don't get him down in Bakersfield because you might need him. And if he's if he's played 20 yeah. games, you know, in like Bakersfield's probably going to play in the next month or whatever it is. They're playing so many games down there. That's a better Evan Bouchard than one who's just sitting in the press box in Edmonton. I don't. So Benson don't up. Get it. Bouchard down. Benson sitting in the press box in Edmonton? No, you want Benson playing actual <laughs> games and yes. sitting out uh, um, other players. Uh, Benson can't kill penalties, my understanding. So Neither can Torres. You could play him, put him yeah. in Torres' spot, Bruce. Come you could. Yeah, it's, you could. It's simple as that. So, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, what are you going to, what's the downside of that? 
Kyle Turris was, you know, he got a goal, but he was also one of the culprits on a goal against with his weak back checking on the on the first goal. So it's, you know, we've seen Kyle Turris. We, he, he's a known quantity. No. He's not the answer there. He's not going to help you win in the playoffs on your second line. Let's be honest. So try Tyler Benson. Are you are you with me on this or against me, Bruce? Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the Holland camp on this one. Like I I'm not sure that there's that there's a rush, and I'm rooting for Tyler Benson. I really am. But there's so many layers there, and there's that darn quarantine, and there you know there's, there's seven days. The, things are stacked, uh, not really in his favor. And uh, I'm just looking up Kyle Turris here again. Uh, and he's got uh, 420 points in the NHL, and Tyler uh, Benson has one. Bruce, that oh. is the worst argument, though. Well, it isn't, it isn't. You want it skill? Is, you want proven skill? But, or you but that's want... your, you're talking about a Kyle Turris that doesn't exist anymore. That player who scored those points, he ain't here. He, he, he left somewhere a couple of years ago, and he's not coming back. So, well, he's going to get a few games now. Is my is my reckoning? Tonight was his first game, first game that he played all year in the top six. So, I mean, he's been he's been a duck out of water because he's you know he's been a top six player in his career. And I'm not saying he's necessarily good enough to play on the Oilers' top six. What I am saying is he hasn't had the chance to play on the Oilers' top six. Maybe it's time they gave him one. And tonight he finally got one, and he scored a huge goal. He also was and, one of the culprits on a Toronto goal. You're absolutely right, but yeah, I, I'm being too hard on Kyle Torres. I know that. Like he, I maybe he can help the team in some limited role this year. I don't think he is the answer in the top six. They are going if they want to compete for the Stanley Cup this year. They're going to have to make a trade. If they mm-hmm. don't, they're probably going to have to make it anyway now because it's really too late with Tyler Benson to call him up before the deadline. This should have happened, like I said, two weeks ago. But they're going to have likely have to make a trade now that like they there was a faint hope with dylan holloway that he could come and be that guy but he's got a broken hand so crummy break you know what you you don't have to make a move you could you could bring up benson see if that works out and think okay if benson doesn't work out we have plan b dylan holloway he could still step in because stranger things have happened then then a young guy coming out has stepped up and played really well for for a team in in the playoffs or down the stretch he could Tyler Benz, Ty, Dylan Holloway could do that. So they're without making a trade, they could still proceed. But it looks like they're going to have to give up now something if they're going to go the route of going all in on these playoffs, which I think they should do. This is Connor McDavid in his pri- prime. This is Mike Smith looking like he might catch fire. So they're going to have to make a trade now for a winger, and we'll see what they have to like. The the, the price for Stall was encouraging though, like the third and the fifth round pick. That was kind of not too out. Half retained Eric Stahl, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to make another, um, uh, uh, I'm not sure if comparison is the right word, but uh, similar situation that's going to help make your case, which was halfway through last year after they cycled through all of these veteran forwards, Thomas Yurcho and so on. Finally, after Christmas, uh, they made their move and they sent out Marcus Granlund, who was the Kyle Turris of the 2019-20 Oilers halfway through the year and they called up Kyler Yamamoto and it was a big turning point for the team. Now this team I would argue doesn't need the turning point in the sense that they're not down and out. They're actually rolling along pretty well. So my thinking is Ken Holland's probably not unhappy with what he's got. He's probably looking for a trade but I'm not sure that um, 
And again, the quarantine is such, like there's no, with the taxi squads, I know very few players around the league that have been called up from the minors and wound up playing on their teams. I'm sure there's, you know, there are some, but it's it would not be a normal year. Yeah. So I guess it's just how you look at the Oilers right now. I'm looking at them as the inferior team to Toronto, and I think they need to make a move to to get better so they can beat Toronto. Now, I'm not, I don't know if it's Tyler Benson or if it's a different trade, but I do think they have to do something. So that's why I think they need a similar jolt. Otherwise, they're not going to beat Winnipeg or Toronto in the playoffs this year. I guess, uh, as Rod, Rod Phillips like to say, time will tell. <laughs> and as, as for Evan Bouchard, you know, I mean, his he's has the grand misfortune of arriving in Edmonton at exactly the time that they have a surfeit of good right shot defensemen, which has like never happened in the history of the franchise before. Yeah, <laughs> that they had four good right shot defensemen, but all of uh, I mean Barry. Obviously, we talked about his bad game tonight, but he's been been delivering the goods. Larson, we talked about his great game tonight, and he's been delivering the goods. And Ethan Bear's game is coming. I thought Bear was terrific in this game. So, really so did I. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and so. I wouldn't change a thing on right defense, even if I loved Evan Bouchard, which I actually do. But who do you take out? And do you well, put him you back play on what, instead they, of they gave him that one shot on left side and it didn't work, end well. And Tippett seems to have a long memory for that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, if it's the wrong guy. Um, I, I just think he could rep- replace William Loggison right now. Loggison continues to be kind of underwhelming. And... Um, they don't seem sold on Caleb Jones either there. So uh, I was going to mention Lagerson and my good plays out of nowhere by different play. He made a terrific cross ice pass to Devin Shore tonight. Where oh I yeah, that was good. Didn't, he wasn't even sure he would, you know, I thought he was going to put his head down and fire a wrist shot. And he saw the open, he saw the passing lane and he put it right on his tape and Shore whiffed it. And I don't think it was even a shot on net, but it sure was a fine play by by Lagerson. It's nice to see because I've seen very little offensively from him and stuff me very underwhelmed in the attacking zone and that was a good sign. They're asking a lot of Wild Bill, Bruce, mm-hmm. to play with Larson against tough competition. Like he should be a third pairing defenseman, right? Like kind of the Matt Green of the team, right? Like on the you know, train. Yeah, like put him on the third pairing. But this is this is they're asking a lot and um he's hanging in there to give him credit. But um Watch what Adam is doing, and you start doing it yourself. That's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. That's the impression I'm getting is that they're they're pairing up the tough Swedes. And, I just uh, I just think to win in the playoffs, though, you you, you can't have like L- Larson, Lagesson, and Russell. It's just one too many of that style defenseman. I think you need one more really good puck mover in the lineup to win in the playoffs. So that um, but. There's there's no so, there's no Jones, solutions here. Pick me, pick me. Who's that? But he, Caleb Jones. Yeah, put him back in. He can't, he can't get a game. I thought he, he thought he might play tonight because I did think Lagerson had a very tough night on Saturday. Yeah. But they stuck with uh, with Willie. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Well, me. tomorrow with a back to back, we might see a couple of guys, uh, uh, a couple of moves again. And like I, Russell. I might. We'll, yeah, possibly so. And uh, exactly. possibly uh, Koskinen, and certainly Koskinen, I should say. And uh, they have uh, 
you know, a couple of guys, they might be saving Alex Jason, their, their French-Canadian forward, to come back in Montreal where he scored the game-winning goal in the game there last year. Uh, they've James got... Jeez, we haven't seen James Neal in a long time. Our knee, our knee guard, Joachim Neegaard, who I, who I would like to see. I, they're just so down in the pecking order yeah. right now. Patrick, I don't think we're going to see like Patrick Russell unless there's some injuries here. But um, right. Turris is likely to play again. So yes, oh yeah, yeah. No, they they're going to run with Turris now for a bit. And I think they got to see what they got. And you know, they made a two-year investment in the guy at a, at a pretty fair coin. So. My cat's dying here in the. He's not. He's just coughing up a hairball on my bed. Oh, yeah. so just pay no attention to that. And, and neither looking, will I. Every time I'm looking over here, I'm seeing Calgary Flames coughing up a hairball against the Jets. <laughs> Down oh, three really? to one in the oh, second sweet. period. It was one nothing for Calgary at the end of the first. And now I'm looking over, and all of a sudden it's three to one for the Jets. So I guess really we should is. be cheering for the Flames at this point, but uh, no. I have a hard time bringing myself to do that. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. Let's not do that. All right, Bruce. Well, thanks. Uh, Just I want to mention thank- that James Neal made me think of the flames. I don't know why. I want to thank Kurt for uh, filling in on me uh, mm. Saturday yeah. night. And uh, thank you for talking. Oh, yeah. Well, always a pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>